Hello, welcome to Why Not Me. In life, we face many trials and obstacles, many challenges, and in the thick of it, we can be tempted to think, why me? But every obstacle presents an opportunity and every trial can bring triumph. So I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of, why not me? When, when in the middle of it, when things are tough, look around and think, why not me? It's, it's happening for a purpose. And then when success is at your doorstep and all you have to do is open it, you may find yourself hesitating, questioning, is this for me? Do I deserve this? And I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of why not me? Throw the door open wide, shout to the world, why not me? Embrace your success. I'm your coach, Todd Halls. I'm grateful to have you on this journey. Welcome to Why Not Me. Hello, hello. Welcome to Why Not Me, Turning Trials into Triumphs, Seeking and Embracing Success. This is your host, Coach Todd Halls. I'm very grateful to be here today. Listeners, I'm super grateful for you. Thank you for tuning in for the gift of your time. And I'm very excited to share today's guest with you. He's going to bring amazing value. Our guest today is Steve Benzak. Steve is a husband of 26 years. So uh, this won't be released for, for a few weeks, but uh, if you should contact Steve after listening to this, wish him a happy anniversary. His wife, they're celebrating their anniversary this next Wednesday after this recording. Uh, he's also a dad of three young adults, 23, 21, 18. So a pat on the back, he's successfully uh, raised active members of society and, and is helping them launch. Uh, Steve's also uh, as a consultant and most recently a system and soul business coach. So a fellow system and soul coach with me. Uh, he and his family, he and his wife at least live in Montana. With that, I know I've left a bunch out. Steve, welcome to Why Not Me. Please fill in anything that our audience should know that wasn't covered. Thank you, Todd. Oh man, that just it puts a smile on my face to to hear your voice uh, and express the the opportunity and gratitude to to be with the audience. And I believe me, you, I'm I'm thankful that uh, you invited me here today, and I look forward to sharing more with your audience and uh, having a great conversation with you. I think you you hit on most all of it. I think uh, although we do have. Uh, at times, uh, two or three dogs, depending upon which of our children is home with their pets or they drop it off so they can go have more fun. And we have two kittens that have now become hunters of our backyard. So um, that adds a lot of spice into the household. <laughs> do, the, do the kittens, uh, are they inside, outside uh, cats or are they strictly outside? Oh my gosh. So, uh, we, we got them in the, the dead of winter, which for us living in uh, Montana, that's about eight months uh, winter and uh, beautiful, but eight months long of a winter. And uh, so the cats were predominantly indoor, curious of the outdoors. And now they're such outdoor cats that we got one of those. Uh, there's a, a subscription model where you can buy a collar for a pet and it will monitor them on GPS. And so now, we have fun looking at where the cat has been during the day or one of them, the hunter. <laughs> and uh, boy, she gets around. That is, that is awesome. What part of Montana do you live in? We are in Bozeman, Montana, which is uh, south uh, west portion of Montana. Well, it's, it's not too far west, uh, but 
it's a beautiful area where we're snuggled in the midst of five different mountain ranges. So I can leave my house, walk out the back door and be on the Gallatin River and also jump in the truck and head off and hit any of those five mountain ranges to just clear my head, be outdoors and enjoy the, the natural beauty that surrounds us. That's awesome. Um, so you, when we were talking before we, before we came on here, you mentioned that you moved from Seattle uh, to Montana. That had to be a bit of culture shock. Yes, sir. It was the, uh, the culture shock was more um, with just trying to navigate this massive transition uh, in our community with our children and going through the mental challenges that you as a parent go through and trying to serve up to your children opportunities to make good choices and, and uh, expand their new network of friends. And that, that in itself was a massive uh, transition and challenge, which in on a, all honesty, that's every day still. Uh, and it's, I'm just, I'm, you know, the things about social media that I dislike, I also love because my children have been able to maintain their friendships and create new ones from hundreds of miles away from community and build a new community. So challenging. Um, and it's a, they've made great choices to expand their relationships and, and we've been fortunate enough to do the same. So, um, yeah. Big transition, absolutely. Super cool, super cool. So I've noticed that as well. So we we moved a couple of years ago from the Panhandle, Florida, to Southeast Florida, and like you, there's things that I really don't like about social media. A lot of them, but one of the features that we realized this last trip up, you know, Orion still has this group of seven, eight, maybe ten young men now. You know, um, yeah, boys, but but young men that. Um, they get together and it's like they've been, you know, they've been involved in each other's lives through social media. So it's like there's no gap. It's just now it's in person. And it's just really cool to see the the friendships built and the bond that's that's happening even from, you know, essentially 10 hours away. It's, it's pretty incredible. It, it's it really is incredible. And I, again, I, I the the fear of missing out when you see other friends doing certain things. But the the beauty of that, as you've noted, is that. They stay in touch. They are up to date, and they just when they get back together, they just carry on exactly as if there's never been a missed opportunity. So that part I I, I love. So I'm glad you mentioned that as well. So it's, I'm not alone. I'm not alone in that. Def, definitely not. So what? Uh, so if you would share with us what what uh, prompted the the transition? What prompted the move from the Great Northwest to the well, to the beautiful big sky state. Wow. Um, a multitude of things in all honesty. So I'd been with, uh, a brand, um, a sportswear brand that six of us, uh, created, um, and started back in 1991. The brand was called ex officio and that brand went through a multitude of, of, transition as, as an organization. Um, and just to be real brief on that without going into all of the details, um, 
the ex officio brand, um, there were six of us that started it. We, we built it up over 10 years with a multitude of industry firsts in the technical apparel marketplace. And hmm. through that, um, it's, you know, saw so much strain and stress with regards to building a brand and a company, it being hyper speed growth. And with that came a lot of triumph and a lot of exhausting challenges and restless nights and what have you to the point mm -hmm. to where we couldn't fund our growth. And through that, we ended up selling the brand to another organization, which leveraged our expertise and in innovation. And I learned so much in that process with them. And then over the course of 22 years, we went um, through um, an additional acquisition into a publicly traded company and then acquired by another publicly traded company. And so I went through four acquisitions in my last nine years with the, with the brand and the organization as a whole were um, our highest growth and most profitable years. And that's uh, due to the incredible team and the culture that we had established with the brand and mm -hmm. really put forth as who we were. So no matter where we went in an acquisition, the soul of the organization, the culture that we created and established kept us together and it kept the brand focused on what was meaningful to our community, to our customer base. And it, it honestly was the primary reason how we thrived through these acquisitions. Interesting. Interesting. So a couple of things I imagine, um, the fact that you stayed together as a core through that many acquisitions is incredible in and of itself. Because um, I'd imagine, I'd imagine those are, there's, it's a time of uncertainty to some extent, some unknowns. Like um, I would imagine that it just seems like, at least in my head, it seems like it would there'd just be a lot of gray area. Like you're just kind of adrift until that to, until that acquisition takes place. So just if you would like, what's What's it like going through that as a as a leader in the organization? And then what's it like going through that as leader in the family and knowing, you know, all these people from both sides depend on you? Oh my goodness. That's a such a, a challenging question to answer. And I and I and I was thinking here as as I completed my first thought is that I didn't answer your question. What brought me to Montana? Well, <laughs> through all of those acquisitions and our most successful, most highest growth, most profitable year. Uh, at the end of that, I realized that um, oftentimes you'll hear in a classroom that it's all about the numbers and that you can become a number. And I experienced that. Uh, we had an incredibly successful uh, run. The organization that we were part of at that time desperately wanted to move our headquarters and part of our part of our heritage and part of our culture was that the organization resided um in seattle washington where it was founded and uh i i was a i impeded the uh, opportunity 
um, in that I wanted to keep the brand where it was, as well as all of our staff, whereas the parent company wanted to take the entire organization and move it to another state um, miles and miles away. And we were not going to allow that to pull out all of our staff because no one wanted to move. And Mm -hmm. eventually um, I was asked to leave the organization. And so that gets to the, why I moved to Montana. I was asked to leave the organization and I did so on a, on a Monday afternoon and and called my wife on the way home and said, honey, I'm coming home and we're going to take some time off. (laughs) So uh, crazy as it is, um, navigating those situations is really all about trying to protect the people, protect the culture. And my, my job as it was, was to try and um, filter out all of the noise, all of the distractions. Cause anytime there's an acquisition, there's this desire to go right to the very bottom, all the things that are going to be bad, all the things that are going to change, all of the all of the negativity. And in most cases, if you do your due diligence and identify your partners, you can create a, an incredible opportunity for all of your staff and an incredible opportunity that for our position, um, there were things that we could bring to the table in each of the acquisitions that we went through that delivered increased uh, structure process that led to 401ks, equity opportunities, uh, benefits, uh, significant benefits across the board with regards to vision, medical, dental, all of these different things that we we struggled providing early on. But you go through these acquisitions and you recognize the fact that there's so much more you can do for your people. So I just I just wanted to make sure I focused on that and while there were things going on behind the scenes that people never knew about that uh, were extraordinarily uh, challenging. But again, you have to make the right choices to help navigate those situations and Mm -hmm. make it great for your people. And we did that. That's awesome. Um, And as you shared that, you got me thinking about uh, kind of, kind of some of the businesses that we talked to and and where, where the small, where the business community is as a whole in our, in this country, there's going to be a lot of, um, a lot of wealth transfer is one way to put it, but a, a lot of businesses being transferred in the, in the coming years as, as baby boomers kind of age out. At least that's what, what everybody's telling us is going to happen. It started already. Um, you, while you stayed with the company through most of them still went through the process of you, you built a company that was desirable to somebody else. And, and so would like to talk about that a little bit because oftentimes, and I've seen this myself, where you you build a company and as the owner, you you basically are the company. And so when it's time to exit, to 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 pass it on, to sell it, whatever, there's not near the value there could be um, because without you, there's this big this big chunk of the business missing. Uh, in your case, your leadership team, it sounds like moved with, but but I would think there's still some some similarities. And one of the words you've brought up many times now is just this culture that was uh, integral to the success of keeping the team together and the growth. So if you would, um, talk to our listeners, anybody that's out there that may be in that situation. What's culture to you? How did you build it? And and then um, 
how how does that really affect an acquisition or sale of a company? Yeah, absolutely, Todd. I think um, you know there's there's a a number of ways things can go, and let's let's just go right into the process of an acquisition. If mm-hmm. if uh, your brand is desirable, and let's just say that it is, and you've got suitors knocking at the door. They all have a process in which they go through to evaluate the opportunity after the acquisition. And given that, when they evaluate the organization, they start digging underneath and looking underneath the covers and saying, what is here? And if an organization uh, or a brand doesn't have processes in place and doesn't have a strong culture in place, they'll be given one. And being given one oftentimes isn't what the ownership wants, nor the people. And that's where problems can start. So it's critical before someone moves into the dialogue, unless it's out of desperation and they can no longer pay their bills and they have to just unload their company. Let's say they're going into it with a plan to transition from um, in a family or transition to another organization and hopefully come out with a, a large chunk of change to help them enjoy the rest of their lives without financial concerns. Um, you, It's really important to establish your business so it operates without the owner and it operates on a level with with the cultural level where everyone's excited to come to work and they know if they're doing a good job or a bad job with clear expectations. And these things, they sound standard, but so many organizations do not have clear expectations for their staff, clear expectations for um, their employees and an appropriate onboarding plan to bring on new people. So, um, you know, so many things can go wrong, but it's all totally avoidable when you establish clear processes for your for your growth and development. And part of that is making sure that the culture, and when I say culture, it's really the values that you live by each and every day, how you hire, how you fire, those values need to need to be in the blood in the the DNA of the organization. Um, and I can offer some more specifics, but let's, let's keep on with a few more questions and, and see if I can't get to those with you. Sure. Sure. So it's, it's, you mentioned the values needed to be in the blood and the DNA and like uh, immediately I wanted to burn out. You mean not, not just, not just on the wall in the lobby that needs to go deeper than that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I th- how many times have uh, we all got into companies like those are awesome. Look at those values. And I recently was at, a, at an organization where they had their values up on the wall and they were super impactful and they were massive. It took up an entire wall of this organization. When I say a wall, it was a 25-foot ceiling that was probably 30 feet wide with these values up there. And then I walked around the corner and sat in a conference room with the organization and I asked one of the associates who'd been with the company for, for at least three years, said, what are what were those values again? And the the room was this silent. And so yes, it's far beyond having them on a wall. It's it's 
having the the ability to establish those prior to putting them up on the wall, knowing that you live and breathe them, and then being so proud of them and having the ability to hire with those values to then put them up on the wall um, in in pride. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's far beyond having them up on the up on the wall. Yeah, yeah. For sure. That's awesome. So it's interesting as you described kind of what your, your journey and, you know, having processes in place and systems in place and, um, and, and being you know, mindful of the culture and knowing, so knowing that you're a system soul coach and everything that system, in, like you've described a lot of what's involved in the system and soul framework, but you've described it at a time in your life when I don't know that you had that exact language. So how did you, how did you and the other five, I think you said there were six of you that started the brand. Did, did you just instinctively know this is what we ought to do? Or how did you happen to have a business that had these processes in place that, that was intentional about a culture that, that would last and meant something? How did that come about? Or was it just pure luck? Oh, wow. Uh. The, lots of late nights and trade shows and, I think most importantly, uh, I, I would say that the time spent after hours as a team talking with our, ourselves, but most importantly, in all honesty, it was the time we spent with our customers and our community in finding out how much impact our technical apparel, it was, um, Ex Officio was the brand and still, it still exists. Um, yeah, Ex Officio Adventure Travel Apparel. And so our, our objective was um, really to identify how our product had such an impact on our community, on our customer base. And that helped us further establish what our values were, um, knowing the impact we had on, on people's lives that, that traveled globally i mean here one one funny um story is that you know we we um when we were in our second acquisition and we identified we did these focus groups with our customer base and our our objective was to um create the ability to travel the world in a, with a carry-on and through that process uh, we had people come into focus groups with packed bags for different types of trips. And then we'd have them unpack. And then we would um, explain to them that we wanted them now to take whatever they were going to have on their trip and put it in a carry on rollerboard, what have you. Yeah. And uh, in that process, we identified the things that took up the most space were socks and underwear. So we had already created the lightest weight travel pants and travel shirts. And that had already been developed. And, was driving the brand but now we realized oh we need to get into underwear and we did and our underwear business became so incredible that we <laughs> part of it was our tagline on our underwear packaging which is hilarious um it was 17 countries six weeks one pair of underwear <laughs> and you know this this that that little line of copy got so much traction 
um, and it was on the front and center of our underwear packaging. It got so much traction that we, in our airport store in Seattle, Washington, the SeaTac Airport, um, Howie Mandel, who those of you that don't know is a comedian who's also on what America's Got Talent, he's a germaphobe. And Howie Mandel came through that airport stores, read that copy on our underwear, 17 countries, six weeks, one pair of underwear. And it was just in, you know, in awe and terrified because he's a germaphobe. Well, he bought a pair of underwear of the underwear. And then he ended up on the, um, one of the late night shows with Jay Leno. And he did a five minute monologue on our underwear. Oh man. And, oh, it was, it was, we, it, it lit up our website, which at that time <laughs> web sales were um, just kind of in the, the beginning stages for, for most businesses. And it just was crazy. And he loved it. And we go through how to wash them and wear them on the road and different things of that nature. And that uh, it was, it was super fun, super fun to, to see that, to see that happen. That, that's that's an awesome story. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so, as as you were talking about, you know, the the trade shows, late nights, talking as a team, building building this brand, um, it, it occurred to me that you're your husband. You've got three kids. So how, um, and and you're very committed to to building this company. How do you how do you balance that? Um, I've talked to business owners uh, often enough that feel overwhelmed or like they, they don't have a great work-life balance. Um, they wish they could just leave their phone behind for one night, et cetera, et cetera. Um, how did you navigate that successfully? I married an amazing woman um, who I, I actually worked with for 10 years um, prior to us getting married. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she knew my crazy lifestyle. Um, she knew that, uh, I, was traveling the world, um, for business and, and knew that there was a lot of, uh, exterior situations that, that, uh, manipulated parts of our, our life. And I'm just very fortunate that, uh, we found each other and got married and that she, she was handling so much, um, with regards to, our family. And, you know, that leads into my why and my why I'm doing what I'm doing now is because in all honesty, Todd, I, I've, I've made a tremendous amount of, of mistakes in some of my choices in, in life, in regards to managing the parts of the business. There were th things that I didn't know that, that I know now that I can help people um, navigate a path forward, reducing risk, yet still making big bets. You've got to make big bets um, in your organization to move the brands, to move your brand forward. Mm -hmm. But um, without a partner that believed in everything that that I'm about and, and my ability to transform organizations to um, profitability and equity growth, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at today and nor would our family. So it was a lot of, a lot of trial and error. So my why, um, is summed up like this. I was in, I was in Shanghai, um, visiting factories and my oldest son 
Um, my oldest son was participating in a city championship baseball game. And the hours were such that the, it was an evening game in, in the West Seattle, um, Washington. And it was bright and early morning in Shanghai. And I was in a taxi cab and I had a, a, a Blackberry at that time. Um, and I'm texting back and forth to my wife that my, my son now um, is pitching his first game, which was crazy, his first game ever because they'd gone through in the playoffs, they'd gone through their other pitchers. And he pitched a no-hitter. <laughs> he pitched a no-hitter in the city championships. And I was in a taxi cab oh. in Shanghai receiving this over text messaging. And it devastated me. And I never want anyone else to have to go through that, that situation where you miss those things, or at least have systems in place to where if those situations do arise, you have a, you have the ability to make a choice. And that choice, my hope would be to be with your family and experience that amazing situation. So that's my why I want to help other owners to be able to focus on their business and be present and engaged with their, their family and community when it's needed most. And those are the things that, uh, that's, that's my why I want, I want to give people the freedom to, to make those choices and have the structure and people in place to do things that, uh, will allow them to be with their family. That is a compelling why. Um, thank you for sharing. You bet. You know, it's, I'm sitting there telling that story and I, I can't help but get, not get emotional every time I think about that. Yeah, I, I understand completely. Uh, yep. The, so there was, I want to say 2012 ish, uh, where I was at, I ended up uh, 120 nights in in motels uh, that year, and uh, it, was, it was just brutal. Um, my you know my son was uh, about five, five six, and was just missing out. So uh, had to make some had to make some drastic changes to 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 switch it around so I could be there. Um, Good for you, you oh, know, oh, recognizing oh, that yeah. and and making the the commitment. Yet, you know, as you know, it, it's there's times where there's so much pain and you just, you, you have commitments, you have mortgage, you have car payments, you have school payments, you have all these things that are on your, on your mind. And sometimes you just gotta hit the emergency brake and reevaluate and reprioritize. And that to me, when you, when you work with, um, a system in an organization, it gives you a structure, a process on how to handle and, and process big decisions as a company. And you gain the confidence and trust of your people. And when you do that, when you have that trust and that confidence and the recognition of individuals that do an amazing job, you can transfer roles and responsibilities, delegate and elevate, right? Um, right. And that's key. And I, I, boy, oh boy, I've, what I've learned in the last, well, the, in my life and being able now to see what, when you leverage processes, um, you can really give you freedom and, and nothing is sacrificed. You just, you just, you grow more as a person and you can help other people grow. And that's the, the coolest part is that you can help other people find their sweet spot and help them grow. 
Yeah, it, it just it allows allows you allows us as business owners and leaders just to have more impact, right? When we get when we get our house in order, um, and and for me, you know, there's there's about six areas. There's this just knowing your purpose and and your vision for for your life and how it's going to go. But then, key relationships, faith walk, health, health and wellness, your career and, and your habits. You get those in order, and you you feel like, well, I'm having maximum impact here. Okay, now, now though, how's your leadership, and how how are you? What are you doing to enable your team and everybody around you to have their maximum impact? Um, yeah, and you, without, as you just said, without those, without some sort of structure, system, framework, it's it's really nearly impossible. Yeah, absolutely. It well, it, again, I, I I I it's possible, but wow, it's uh, can be chaos. It's such chaos that um it creates restless nights and uh, right, right so you're it is possible but it doesn't have to be that hard for you know for 16 plus years that was the the roller coaster we were on uh we were we got into business because we were pretty good at pouring concrete and could work hard but we didn't know anything about running a business and so it was this this continual yeah just it, it was it was chaos <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's interesting that there are some owners that um, love chaos because they can come in and be the hero and wave the flag because they've got the solutions. And that's exhausting to everyone um, because there are better, better ways. And when you when you establish that structure and process and and have specific objectives that you can focus on for a quarter, uh, it's amazing the triumph that the team has um, when you achieve those, those, those steps along the way. And then you can look back and say, wow, look what we just did. Can you believe you look at your, your um, objectives that you achieved? And it's sometimes um, quite uh, shocking to see how much has been accomplished um, as an organization. And that's, I'm, I'm, just kind of pontificating about those things so you get excited about them. But um, yeah, there's so much that you can do um, when you have a, a good system in place and allow your people to do what they're best at. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. So going to shift gears. Um, yeah. If that's okay. You mentioned the Gall- Gallon River, right? And mountain ranges. Um, yeah. So, so do you, would you consider yourself an outdoorsman? Um, do you fish, do you hunt? Like what, or, or is it just strictly and not strictly cause it's, it's amazing, but just a place to go be in nature and clear your head. Um, so my, my dad had, um, he was an entrepreneur and, uh, an orthodontist and ran his own business. And then, um, there was a point in time in their lives as parents of, of seven children. I'm the youngest of seven and I've got three older brothers and three older sisters. You know, you can get into a lot of trouble, um, as kids. Um, and that trouble, if it's healthy and fun and no one gets hurt, then, you know, those are, those are great opportunities for learning. And my, my parents, as we all got older, they're like, you know what? They, they made this decision. It was either buy a house on the waterfront of Lake Washington. Um, and I've been by this house. It's right near the university of Washington or mm-hmm. buy this fishing resort in British Columbia that hadn't been operated for three years. The only access to the cabins was by 
by motorboat. And, uh, and they made this, do we, do we do that? And we, then our kids will have a job in the summer. And my, our, our background, we're Slovak. So my, my dad, we, he would always call, um, well, they, anyways, they, they bought the, the fishing camp and what became our summer vacations was what my dad would call a Slovak vacation. And that was just, he'd put us to work and then my mom would feed us and you'd have all these, these, uh, oh boy, these opportunities to, you know, we learned how to chop wood. We learned how to fish. We learned how to fend for ourselves. I can't even tell you how many outhouse holes I've dug. And, you know, all those things were great learning experiences. Um, and so, uh, growing up, you know, you look, look back on that and it's like, wow, what an experience that, that, that we had. So that kind of fueled my passion for the outdoors. I, I didn't start hunting until I was, I think, 21. My older brothers all hunted and, um, my dad never, my dad never did. He was a big fisherman. Um, but, uh, no, I got involved in, in hunting and now for me, it's a, it's a, really important part of my lifestyle. Um, I am a archer, so I bow hunt and okay. it's all about for me, um, eating, uh, fresh, organic, free range, um, venison. And there's, it's, I get really emotional about it because it's, it's such a inherent part of our, our lives as humans, um, to harvest from the land. And, we so we do that and it's always a very spiritual um when we when we harvest harvest an animal so i love the outdoors it's a critical element of who i am and i protect it uh the best that i can in supporting um different organizations that believe in the power of of the outdoors beautiful beautiful thanks for sharing that yeah, absolutely um so one one kind of final area I just want to ask you because you shared before we again before we started um, that your your father in law uh, currently lives with you right that's correct yes he does so so share a little bit about that how that's going um, you said he's got dementia yes that's correct yes um, so um, you know it's interesting so. I was raised in this environment um, to respect and appreciate everyone. Open the doors, take off your hat when you go indoors. All these scenarios within my family, and then um, I saw a lot of the similar elements of that in in my wife and how she respected and appreciated those those types of values, personal values, and um, and then I met uh, obviously her her parents. And long story short, after I asked my father-in-law's permission for his daughter's hand. Um, um, this is after I'd known him for quite some time, probably um, eight years. And uh, he was a um, district ranger. So he, he was the forest ranger in Washington during the spotted owl scenario. So very um, in tune with the community and um, has given so much to help people um, enjoy the outdoors. So there was a lot of similarities and appreciation and respect for the outdoors, but he did it for a living um, with the Forest Service. Yeah. And 
you know, through that, he was in the in the seventies participating in the earliest education processes with university professors where they would go in the outdoors and stare down at a at a one foot by one foot area of moss for hours trying to identify species. And that type of experience really created outdoor education projects across the, across the globe and just some fascinating things that took place. But uh, yeah, he, he retired um, at the age of 53 from the forest service and uh, for 20 years or so he's been traveling the world and um, he moved here to Montana with us, loves the area. And uh, just in the last couple of years has been, significantly impacted with regards to dementia and so we moved him into our home um it's coming up on a year now and uh it's just given me a greater appreciation for the importance of taking each and every day as a gift and that with your with your family wow you got me emotional (laughs) or i got myself emotional thinking about it um yeah very impactful Go ahead. I I just, a tip of the hat. Like I have just so much respect for, for you and your wife. Um, As awesome as it is to have our loved ones around. um, It's not, it's not always easy to walk that walk um, through, through illness. Um, And so uh, just just tip of the hat to you for, for opening up your home and, and, and being the caretakers. Uh, it's, It's, it's pretty incredible. And to your point, you know, every day's a gift. No matter no matter where they're at on their journey, every every day with them is a gift. So good for good for you. Amen to that. Amen to that. And uh, I'm glad we don't have the video camera on because I I did uh, I moisturized my cheeks as is I your was... makeup running your makeup <laughs> running. <laughs> oh, Todd. Yes. Yeah. So, Inc- incredible experience again. And, and, and I just, I, I embrace each day, you know, we're living this beautiful area and to be able to open our back doors into, into nature and give my father-in-law a place to sit and, and just enjoy the birds and the deer in our backyard. And, you know, it's, it's, it's this happy place. And as a result, it's, it's our happy place. So it's a, a good thing it's a really good thing challenging like you said extraordinarily challenging each and every day but um i'll, I'll get to one of my questions for your audience here in a second that uh, really it helps me um and then hopefully it'll provide some some uh opportunities for others to enjoy their lives if they have similar situations well that's a perfect tee up uh <laughs> Uh, well, first, I, I hope someday to visit uh, to visit you. Uh, I've been through Bozeman; it's been a number of years. But uh, would, as you talked about, just opening the doors to nature and being able to watch the birds. Um, that you haven't you haven't invited me yet. I'm just giving you full warning. I'd like to visit. <laughs> <one time. laughs> so, uh, so with that, Steve, you, you teed this up nightly, nicely because one uh, something I always ask my guests is if you would please share one important or impactful question that you would leave with our listeners? What should they be thinking about? Oh, that's uh, you know, when you first mentioned that to me that you'd be asking this, I was struggling in my mind, you know, know, like, Oh my God, I have to come up with something just miraculous. And I have to, um, and it's like, you know, that's the, the one thing 
um, that I that I ask most every one of my clients, and I ask all of my friends. Um, I get together with a group of my um, pledge brothers that I was in a fraternity with in in college, and we've been together as dear dear friends for woo over over thirty years, and uh, I I. Gosh, it's 40. Oh my Lord. Um, and you know, I, I asked them, um, what do you do to create mind space for yourself? And they're like, what do you, what do you mean mind space? I say, what do you do to create the ability to have clarity, um, to identify what are your priorities in the day, in the week, in your life? What do you do to create mind space? And so you get into this dialogue, and that's my question. What what do you do to create mind space for yourself? And what I do, um, I'm very fortunate to live three mo- three minutes away by driving to the Bozeman Hot Springs, which is where I will work out, and then they have cold pools and hot pools that are all natural. And I will soak in the pool. I'll cold plunge and do a couple sessions of that. And then there's a steam room and a dry sauna, but I prefer the steam room. And I'll go in there and I'll stretch for um, a few sessions of 20-minute sessions. And I'll meditate. And I'll go through what I'm grateful for in my life. And in all honesty, you know, I go through the I'm grateful for the challenge that I have with certain things. I'm grateful for the challenge of this. I'm grateful for the opportunity. And I'll, I'll just go through that process. And it just, for me, opens up my mind to think more clearly. It opens up my heart to be more appreciative of the fact that I am alive, I am healthy, and I have the ability to make choices. And most importantly, each and every day, I have the ability to impact other people's lives in a positive way um, to help them create clarity and a healthier company, a healthier lifestyle, a healthier family life. And all in all, it's selfish because I know that impacts my community and it'll be a healthier community. So um, that's my question. What do you do to create mind space for you to be a better person? Excellent question. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, listeners, you, that's your homework. Answer, answer that question. And then uh, start creating the habit of doing whatever it is you need to do to create that mind space. Or if you're already doing it, keep doing it. Uh, Steve, thanks so much for being on. This has been awesome. For our listeners that want to uh, contact you, work with you, learn more about you, what's the, what's the best place to find you? The best place to find me um, is my website, which is equitycatapult.com, equitycatapult.com, um, or on LinkedIn, um, Steve Benzak. And uh, pick up the telly if you want to call or talk, if you have some ideas you want to share or, or um, have some questions or, or uh, challenges, or come right here to this podcast each and every time there's a new one and hear from other wonderful people that have experiences to share. 
Awesome. Thanks so much, Steve. Thanks for being on. Really, really appreciate uh, your time as we, we talked about each day's a gift. So uh, within that time is a gift. I appreciate the gift of yours. Thank you, Todd. I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to share a few things and, and uh, for moisturizing my cheeks as, as I dug deep into the emotions of, uh, of our lifestyle. <laughs> you dirty dog. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's been a pleasure. Listeners, also really appreciate the gift of your time. Thanks so much for, for tuning in, for taking the time to listen. I appreciate you. Whatever grand vision you've been given, whatever dream God has put in your heart, remember, you can. Until next time, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful, and live life strong. Peace to you. Well, thank you so much for listening. For even more on turning trials into triumphs and seeking and embracing success, go to toddhalls.life. That's toddhalls.life. And I look forward to serving you. Until next time, be strong, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful. Peace to you.